Welcome to Holding Down the Fort, a podcast show dedicated to curating knowledge, resources, and relevant stories for today's military spouses so they can continue to make confident and informed decisions for themselves and their families. Because let's face it, we know who's really holding down the fort. I'm Jen Amos, a Gold Star daughter, veteran spouse, and your host for Holding Down the Fort by U.S. Vet Wealth. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Holding Down the Fort Season 3. And this is a special episode because although the show has already started, I wanted to backtrack and actually reintroduce you all to my co-host here, Jenny Lynn Stroop. So Jenny Lynn, welcome to the show. Thanks, happy to be here. Yeah, and although we've already sort of introduced yourself, I thought we would just dedicate one episode to you to really have you share your story and talk about why you decided to be on the show. Well, first of all, let me just start by saying thank you for choosing to reach out to me. I know in a newsletter some time ago now, this is literally months ago now, I think at the start of the pandemic, really, (laughs) when I kind of knew that I wanted to have a co-host on the show to just bounce ideas off of and add a different perspective. And you were definitely one of the first people to do that. And I appreciated you just kind of being very open and willing to just showing up because To me, that's all I really needed to have someone to show up and add to the conversation and everything else is taken care of. So, and you get to enjoy a wonderful conversation with people. So I'm appreciative for you joining me. I am curious to know, and to our listeners that are hearing about you for the first time, what compelled you to reach out and say, yes, I'm going to co-host with you, Jen? Oh man, part of it was total whim. I'm one of those people like, well, that sounds fun. Let me give it a shot. So I did. But I mean, the truth is I really enjoyed being a guest. I think I was a guest with my clinic director, I don't know, a month or so before you sent out the newsletter looking for a co-host and you just made us feel like so warm and welcome. And it was fun to talk to you that I was like, I like to talk to people and hear fun stories. And as a military spouse and, you know, a military family, like the mission of this podcast to get good resources to military families is one that I can really get behind. So it's fun for me to get to see quote unquote, other people in my sphere and learn from them and know what's out there. I appreciate you saying that. And I don't know if the stats are constantly changing and you can correct me on this, but I know that only really less than 1% of the American community actually serves. And so we are really a tiny, tiny community. There's a lot of us if you find them, if you find us in the bases and everything, but we're really tiny and we have a very unique experience compared to our civilian counterparts. And so part of why I decided to do Holding Down the Fort, there's a lot of reasons, but one of them is really to humanize our story, to know that it's not just the service member that's serving, it's the family, you know, it's a spouse, it's the kids, they're serving just as much and dealing with so many different issues that is, again, so unique and different from our civilian counterparts. Oh, absolutely. I think one of the most recent I looked at, I think was from the Blue Star Families, like 2018 or 19 survey, and it's 0.5%. So less than 1% is active duty serving which makes me a military spouse, 0.25%. So a quarter of 1% of people are active duty spouses. And when I read that and said it to someone else also in the military community out loud, he was like, wait, say that again? And I was like, yes, a quarter of a percent is who I represent. And yeah, when you're kind of in this world, it does feel like we're a lot bigger than we are. Mm-hmm. But when you realize that it feels that way, I mean, I live in San Diego. And so... Mm-hmm. 
I have friends here who have lived in San Diego their whole lives and it is just second nature to them to have military friends Mm -hmm. because we're all Mm -hmm. here because this is a huge area where the military is. But think of some like little teeny town in like Iowa. Do you know how many people Mm -hmm. they have that are military there? Not many. And to think of that like nationwide, like we're less than a quarter of a, (laughs) like less than a quarter of a percent of people as spouses and families. It's pretty interesting. And I think it's great that that you're helping get get our stories out there. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. Yeah, it is interesting because, you know, you and I have essentially swapped places. I lived in San Diego for 20 years. And just like what you said, it just felt so normal to be around military affiliated people or someone knew someone, you know, that was at least in the military. And I come from a military background as well. And it's part of how, you know, my parents were able to leave the Philippines is my dad and his brother joined the military and were able to serve. And I was essentially born as an American, but on American soil, like in Japan. And so I feel like I was already like birthed into a very, (laughs) you know, interesting (laughs) culture because people ask me often, do you speak Japanese? I was like, no, I was in the American base. Okay. Like, yes, I would step out every now and then, (laughs) but it doesn't mean that I could speak it fluently, nor am I Japanese. But, you know, it's interesting to know that there's a small percentage of us that serve and the families that support those who serve. And yeah, I just find it so fascinating. And I think like, right, Right now, especially with the pandemic, I feel like a lot of our civilian counterparts can really learn from our military families and what it means to, you know, have your spouse gone for a long time and then suddenly everyone's in the house, you know, and it's just like, uh, like, what are you doing here? You're ruining my routine and just learning to make that adjustment. And I think that if our civilian counterparts can, you know, learn from us and see that, hey, like adapting is part of our life. It's part of our culture, being resilient, being resourceful. Sometimes I wonder what it would be like if I grew amongst my civilian counterparts. And I think like, you know, I'm so glad that I was raised in this life because it's taught me to be nimble and optimistic and resourceful and everything, everything that I believe we know at this point that military families have to go through. And I think it's part of why I'm able to, you know, be the entrepreneur I am and be able to kind of have the lifestyle I have is because of that background. It's not to say though, that it obviously comes with its challenges, you know, having to uproot yourself quite often. And so I know for you, Jenny Lynn, you came from Virginia Beach or Virginia. So we essentially swapped places. And if you can a little briefly share a little bit about your life before you and your family entered the military and how was that transition for you to adjust as a military spouse? Yeah. So a couple things came to mind as you were talking. One, as a military spouse, who is, I'm not a former veteran, so I've never, never been active duty or reserve or anything. You know, I straddle that gap between civilian and military community because technically I am a civilian Mm -hmm. and also the military affects a big part of my life. And I grew up in Hampton Roads, Mm -hmm. which when I grew up there, where I lived in Suffolk, which is about 30 to 45 minutes away from Virginia Beach and Norfolk, depending on how fast you drive, (laughs) (laughs) not many military families lived out that far. It was just too far of a commute. And so I did not grow up around more than probably one or two people Mm. that were military. And so for me, the Navy, especially being from Hampton Roads, was just always kind of that thing that was over there. Like we knew (laughs) But it was there and there was kind of, for me, this inherent like safety, but I didn't, it never affected me. It never, Mm -hmm. I 
I never had a reason to really think of anything other than, oh, there's some boats over there in Norfolk. Like that Mm -hmm. was really start Mm -hmm. and finish of my military history prior to meeting and marrying my husband. And really for my whole family, I mean, my uncle and my grandfather both served, but my grandfather served before my dad was born. So he didn't grow up a military kid. My uncle is much younger than my dad. And so he served, but he was always like the fun younger uncle, Mm -hmm. you know, that we would see every now and again and and all that. But again, it wasn't a military lifestyle. Like we didn't, my family was, you know, went to work nine to five, like that. So in marrying my husband, it really kind of pushed my whole immediate family into this like weird world of deployments and workups and trainings and all of these things that none of us had ever really experienced. And for a while, you know, Matthew did several trainings and deployments and transferred from enlisted to officer. He went to officer candidate school. And we, we as in me and my, our children, stayed in Hampton Roads. I mean, he Mm. was kind of all over the place, but we stayed where I grew up. And so largely we lived a civilian lifestyle with this military kind of overhang, you know, Mm. I was still friends with all the people I grew up with. I still went to the grocery store. I'd always gone to, I still lived in the same town and saw the same people. And it was just that my husband was in uniform and often not there. Um, Mm. In fact, most of the time, not there. And when he returned from his second deployment, we moved for the first time as a, you know, as a military family and we moved to a largely civilian area. So our Mm. second, well, not our second duty station, we kind of bounced around within Hampton Roads for a bit, but our first time, like leaving the Hampton Roads area, we moved to Manhattan, (laughs) New York city. And so, you know, Matthew was one of two active duty Navy people in the office, right? (laughs) One of two. And so we were the only Navy family. Neither of his bosses were married with kids. So we were the only Navy family and we lived in a town. We lived in one of the commuter towns in New York. And we were, for some people, the only military people they'd ever met. So, you know, when I think about that being the quarter of a percent Like it was never more prevalent than when we lived up there. And I am very grateful that I had a community that was curious and, you know, wanted to know, you know, I got lots of questions like, so we hear you're rich because the government pays, you know, for for these and this thing. And, you know, it was one of those things that after having years of friendship with these people, like I was kind of like, you know, what, what myths did we debunk for you? And they were like, well, we learned that you're not rich. You're not rich. <laughs> um, that the Navy controls a lot more of your life than we would have ever assumed, you know, that we have, yeah. you know, and so I think that's when I really kind of embraced the military spouse lifestyle is like, oh, it is different mm-hmm. and it's good. And I really do want to be that gap straddler between the military and the civilian community, because I saw what a difference it made in my civilian community for, you know, people to see what it's like up close for people to live a military lifestyle. Now, let me caveat that with saying New York is very different than regular (laughs) Navy life. We were in a position, Matthew's in a position of like outreach really. And Mm. so we did a lot of fun and pretty. And so like, 
it wasn't deployments. It wasn't, you know, trainings and stuff. It was put on your best uniform, go make the Navy look good and have fun while you're doing it. So even at that, like our friends saw this, you know, mess dress and ball gowns and all, and they were like, wow, this is great. And I'm like, yeah, right. but this really isn't it either. Mm-hmm. But it opened the door to conversations about what it had been like before and what it was going to be like after that tour. And so moving then to San Diego was a little shock to the system because all of a sudden we were back in an area where like every third house is Navy, right? even right. if you don't live on base, which right. we don't, right. you know? And so there's a little more inherent understanding of military lifestyle. And then also that civilian mindset of, well, of course, everybody knows people like you. Mm-hmm. You're all here. We're like, yeah, but we're not all everywhere. Right. You know, so that's kind of how I got I got to where I am. And, you know, it was really that New York tour that kind of solidified for me both what's really special and what's really hard and what's really interesting about being a military family and military spouse. Yeah, I think that once you get adjusted to the life, I mean, I don't think we'll ever get adjusted, but when you get a sense of adjustment, it becomes a form of responsibility to educate people about it, you know? So one of my pet peeves growing up was every time people knew I was, you know, part of a military family, they called me a military brat. And I think that's cute and all. And it's like, yeah, sure, we get the benefits and, you know, whatever. But to me, as a gold star daughter too, that came with a lot of pain. And I took that offensively. I was like, I'm not a brat. Like I lost my dad to the service. You know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, yes, my school was paid for, you know, thank God I didn't have to worry about like college debt and stuff like that. And I had, I think I had like, I had all the health benefits and, you know, just mm-hmm. the benefits that you would get as a kid. I think I lost it all around 21 or 23. I forgot which one, but I remember when my mom sort of hinted that like, Hey, you're not going to have this anymore. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, like, Oh, so that's the bubble I lived in. But either, <laughs> either way, just having, just carrying that pain. And it actually took until like later on in my my life, my young adult life, when I really started to see my military child conditioning play out because it was really hard for me to hold down a job. Like, even though I got a bachelor's, I actually got fired from four jobs consecutively in my young 20s. Like, I just, I couldn't hold down a job because I think like every two to three years, I'd be like, uh, this feels very unsettling. Like, am I supposed to stay here? (laughs) You know, or I just always had this desire to take off, you know, or to do something different or to have multiple projects at once. And so to me, when people call me a military brat, it's like, I mean, not that anyone called me that lately. I I think military brat typically goes toward maybe the youth or teens nowadays. But, you know, when I do hear that term, I really challenge people to look deeper than that and be like, yeah, we have certain things, but it's at the cost of so many other things, you know? And so I appreciate you saying that what you do as a spouse is you kind of straddle that gap between the civilian life and the military life. And that's why I'm really happy to have you on the show, Jenny Lynn, because I also know that you're a blogger and you love, you know, talking about this life and kind of demystifying it, you know, not just to give peace of mind or maybe comfort or connection with the military community, but even for the civilians who really haven't been around military people. I remember even in San Diego, I had a good friend who lived in in Northern in San Diego. So probably not close to Pendleton, but I forgot exactly where she lived, but she pretty much lived in this bubble. You know, she's an artist, a professional artist. And, and I was one of the first people that she really met where she knew that I was a gold star daughter. And she heard about like just my family and losing my dad. And she's all like, wow, like the military really have it hard. You know, like she had no idea, you know, the sacrifices that could take place. 
Fortunately, most people don't have to go through that, but like just to know the sacrifice and what gets left behind or even the impact of a service member's career onto the family. And so it was really interesting to like what felt normal for me to talk about with like everyone. I was like, yeah, I'm a gold star daughter. I lost my dad was very like unusual (laughs) for like the average person to be like, what? Like, I can't believe, you know, that happened to you. I'm so sorry. Like they were very apologetic of it, even though for me it happened, you know, 20 years ago now. But I think the point of what I'm trying to say is that this is why the show exists is to let people know that there's a lot of sacrifice and responsibility and duty to Mm -hmm. be a military family. And it is very important for us to share our stories, not just to stay connected and to not feel alone, but also to educate our civilian counterparts that like, hey, you're welcome. (laughs) You know, you're welcome. Like this, you know, like your taxpayer dollars, like is going to people like us so that, you know, you can continue to feel safe and pursue your dreams and your goals and your, you know, whatever you want to do, it's because of us. So you're welcome. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting. I can tell you like pinpoint the moment that I realized like, oh man, like education about this lifestyle is really important to me. I probably should have realized it a little sooner. I do have a master's degree in elementary education and have taught school for several years. And so I should have put two and two together that education was really important to me. However, comma, it took a while. But I was, I participated in this event in uh, New York City called Theater of War. Mm-hmm. And the premise of this is that actors come on and do a scene or two from a Greek tragedy that depicts like wartime behavior. Mm-hmm. And then after the scenes are over, a panel of people who are military affiliated, whether they be active duty, veteran, spouse, whomever, talk about their own experience with war mm. based on like what the show was about. So we have to connect our experiences to the play in front of an audience. Mm-hmm. And then after the panelists share their experience, the moderator has very specific questions he asks the audience to kind of get their feedback, get their read, you know, if this is totally new for them, like what, you know, what kind of came to them while they were watching both the play and hearing the experiences. And it was a two night run and I did both nights on the panel. And one of the evenings after I'd shared my version of what it, you know, experience with war, there was like a cocktail reception afterward. And this girl came up to me and she kind of like touched my arm and was like, thank you so much for sharing your story. And I was Mm. like, oh, you know, you're welcome. Like, she said, I just didn't have any idea there were people like you. Wow. Insert like awkward silence because I have nothing to say. (laughs) And inside my head, I'm like, wait, what? Like, you didn't know that people that like went to war married to people. You didn't know that there were families. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not really sure what's happening. And, you know, I was so shocked by her comment that I didn't say all of the things I wish I'd said. And like, you know, now years later, I wish I would have had more of that education mindset of like, actually they're, you know, 0.25% of us yeah. Um, yeah. around the U S but really, I mean, that really for me kind of set the pace for me and like not a goal per se, but just really kind of lit that fire of, you know, it is important that people know. I mean, this was for an audience of largely civilian people, mm-hmm. like, I would say out of the hundred people there, 90 of them were civilian, you know I mean? Right. And that's because like 
my husband was in the audience, so he is obviously military <laughs> affiliated. Like, right. You added you know, him to the statistic. You're like, you we probably like the 10. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's probably, yeah. But, you know, we were talking to people that really didn't have any connection. And so one, I am so grateful that that program exists and Theater of War still does great work now, still doing that same program to really make that connection. But yeah, I mean, I can see it just as clearly now, like almost been like five years, you know, five years after doing it as I could that night. And I do think it's really important. I think it's really important that those of us who live this lifestyle share because it is hard and it also is neat and it also is fun. And it, you know, I never imagined living in California. I mean, kind of like maybe when I was watching Saved by the Bell, thought it would be cool, but not like as a, oh yeah, I'm going to move to California and live there. It's just like this weird idea. Now I've been here for four years. So I'm like, oh, I've lived in California. Right. I've lived outside Manhattan. Like who didn't want to do that when we watched Sex and the City in college? Like everyone, right. you know, so it's provided a lot of experience. And then I think as a spouse and having children, I mean, one, it's given my children an incredible amount of resilience and learning to go with the flow and learning to be flexible. And it's brought its own scars and wounds. And also, especially because they were small when we lived in New York and got to do a lot of really fun things. It gave them this idea of the world that like being in the military was fun. Like Mm -hmm. they got to do a lot of things that had we stayed living, you know, had I gotten married mm-hmm. and stayed in my hometown, like we would have never done. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm always struck by one of my first memories from being up in New York with them is that my parents came to visit our first Thanksgiving and we'd been there about four or five months. Mm-hmm. And so we'd taken the boys into the city and they'd kind of seen the big sites. And my parents came up at Thanksgiving and we take them to Times Square. And my dad, who was in his 60s, is like standing there like a kid looking at all the all the lights because he'd never been to New York City. And my mm-hmm. three-year-old was like, Daddy, what are you doing? And he's like, I've just never been here. It's really me. <laughs> my three-year-old's like, I'm three. I've been here. You know, and so there's a certain aspect of military life that like I hope that when they're older, they get to look back on and go, Man, when I was three, I was in Times Square. Like when yeah. we were seven, when I was seven, we moved to San Diego and I got to see the Pacific Ocean, which I was in my thirties when I saw the Pacific Ocean when we moved here. Right. You know, so I think talking about all of it, the good, the bad, the weird, the cool. Yeah. Is really helpful. And as a writer, I mean, stories are my jam. So. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing all of that, Jenny Lynn. And again, it just affirms why I'm so glad, you know, to have you as a co-host to add your perspective and be unapologetic about it, especially when you come to a place where you realize like what you thought was normal is actually very abnormal for a lot of people. And I think we can kind of like I said earlier, like demystify and I want to say de-romanticize. I don't know if that's a word, but like, you know, stop romanticizing the military life. It's very common on Instagram, for example, where you see that standard photo of a service member coming home and the spouse, whether it's a girlfriend, fiance or wife is greeting them. And it's all about the reunion. It's all about that beautiful, exciting reunion. But there's a lot of pain that happens before that, you know, all the waiting, the patience, like the, you know, just kind of the questioning and asking yourself, like, is 
this worth it? Is it worth waiting for this person to come back? Or just that resilience of like, I'm going to wait for this person to come back and I'm going to keep myself busy. But then by the time they're back, it's like you already have this whole routine. So it's like just that little snapshot of, oh my gosh, they're back is really only a snapshot. (laughs) You know, there's so much that happens before and after that. And so I'm just glad to have a medium such as podcasting to really convey more to the story other than just that snapshot moment, which is so beautiful and it drives people to tears. I've definitely seen those, like even my husband has shown me those videos where the service member comes home to their dog, you know, and the dog hasn't seen the service member forever. And the dog is just like freaking out. And it's like the cutest thing and you're crying and stuff like that. But again, that is only one aspect of this military life. There's so much that goes in it, the good, the bad, the ugly. And I'm just really glad to have this medium again to really amplify those stories and let people know it's not just a service member that's sacrificing for your freedom, (laughs) but it's the family. So y'all welcome. (laughs) And, you know, thank us by listening to our stories and honoring us and having more conversations with us and not just calling us rich or military brats. Yeah. When we talk about like sharing our stories and, you know, what we do, I think the thank you is great. And what I would really stress is that it's often really awkward (laughs) for military families. And it's awkward because one, so many things are romanticized or villainized. I mean, Mm. there's a very, there are very few shows on TV. There are two that I can think of that I watch that do it quite well. But most it's either this like over dramatization of what it's like to be at war or to be someone who comes home from war and what that looks like, or it's over romanticized in the ain't it great he's home. Mm -hmm. And neither of those are totally true. Mm -hmm. And I think with, you know, thanking us for our service, the best thank you, at least for me and my family is like, be willing to learn about our story. I think that's one of the things that really in Connecticut with our friends, really, when they would say things like that, they could put a face and a name to what they were saying. And they knew the things our family had walked through versus a blanket, like awkward thank you on a subway, which happened often because Matthew was in uniform. And it's always this awkward, like, you're welcome. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, whereas really, we would, you know, really, it's like, thank you. And do you know what we do? Thank you. Mm. And do you actually want to know who we are? Like, and it's the and that's more important to me than the thank you. Like, because chances are, you're not like me, because Mm. I represent 0.25% of the population. Like, chances are, you actually have no idea what you're thanking me for. You have no idea that my husband left when my first son was three months old for training Mm. and literally never came back. Like, I mean, for a weekend here or there, was not home when my, you know, was on deployment when my second child was born and met him on the pier, like then deployed again immediately after. And we moved 25 days after he came home from deployment. And, 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 and you have none of that when you look at me standing next to him in uniform. And that actually is far more important to me than just the blanket. Thank you. Yeah. So I really hope that people listening who are military families, like, know how much that those of us that do this really do appreciate what you do. And for anyone listening to this that didn't know all of those things, like before just rushing out a thank you, like maybe actually take the time to get to know the people and a, a better thank you is, can I cut your grass when your husband's gone? Like, <laughs> do, you know, right. Do you need a babysitter for your kids while you run to the grocery store? Mm-hmm. Like that for me is a much better way to like appreciate a military family than just thanks for your service. 
Yeah, it's almost like an empty apology in a way. It's all like if you're going to apologize or if you're going to express gratitude, like put some umph behind it, you know, like add something to it. It's like, can I do anything for you? Can I help you? Tell me. And, you know, my husband brought that up too, because as a veteran, he gets it all the time. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. And he's all like, can you get to know me? <laughs> he's like, could you say mm -hmm. anything else but thank you? Like, can you ask me like, what if I just did paperwork? What if I just pushed paper <laughs> in the military? Like, what are you thanking me for? You know, like you have no idea like what I did. I'm glad that you brought that up because I think that this is a great way to create awareness about that and let people know that you could do more than say thank you. And with this show, we'll give you the tools, you know, on how to do that. We will encourage you. We will challenge you to do that because remember, freedom isn't free. And part of that is thanks to our service members and our military families that support the service member. Wow. Well, Jenny Lynn, I think that was, uh, I think that's a great way to bring you on the show. <laughs> but before we go, just really quick, let's just give a little snapshot of your life today, just so that like, yes, you are a co-host on the show, but I know that you do other things. And so let us know for our listeners that want to get to know you, what are you up to nowadays? Oh man, what am I not up to is probably the, <laughs> probably the better question. Well, during the pandemic, I have onboarded as an outreach coordinator for a national military mental health network. So I advocate for military mental health, both for service members, veterans, and families. That is super important to me as a military family. I'm also the mom of two elementary age boys that my husband and I are co-homeschooling. We chose wow. not to go the virtual route. We are actually like wow. doing the curriculum ourselves, which in some ways is really fun. And in some ways is really not, um, <laughs> you know, so, you know, and then doing all the regular, like regular everyday stuff. I mean, in here in California, we've had more restrictions than most. I also have been pretty good at putting up boundaries. I know you and I kind of talked off air, but like trying to put up boundaries between what is work and what is home mm. because I actually never leave my house. Right, right. <laughs> you know, what's work, what's home, what's mom life, what am I doing? And, and I'm also a writer and that's really important to me too. So I spend, you know, several hours a week like writing, if nothing else other than journaling, mm -hmm. just, just because this time is weird and... Yeah. I mean, also exciting and doing something that I love professionally and momming during this season and all the stuff the military brings to it. I mean, currently my husband's on shore duty, so we have not dealt with the like weird deployment thing yeah. during COVID, but wow, that's awesome. it's all come with its own set of weird challenges. Mm -hmm. You know, so every day looks very much the same and also very different based on kind of what's going on. Like, I work inside my house, so I very rarely ever leave. And also, you know, one day homeschooling is really hard for my kids and they're laid out on the floor. And the other, <laughs> another day, like they get right to it and we have fun. I think, man, I could do this forever. Mm -hmm. You know, 24 hours later, I'm like, why did we ever make this decision? This is horrible. <laughs> like, what were we thinking? You know, so I think in this season, especially, there's been a lot of high highs and a lot of low lows. And for me, trying to balance the best I can all of the roles that I fill and all the roles that I play and try to combat kind of that. I've heard, I heard a great phrase like fatigue, fatigue. Mm -hmm. I think oh, in wow. this season, that's probably been something that I have worked on as far as my own mental health is that like just being tired of being tired of how everything is. Yeah. And so tried to, you know, get outside more and exercise more and, you know, do fun stuff with my kids to keep everybody busy because very tired of being home. 
Yeah, absolutely. Which is why I'm excited for you to go on vacation soon. And also why I feel revitalized because we talked about this offline, but even yeah, last week was the first time in months where my husband and I just took off to the mountains and we literally had no reception. We found out when we arrived that we were going to have no reception or Wi-Fi, and it was really a blessing in disguise. So, you know, before we go, Jenny Lynn, I just want to take a minute and, you know, not just say thank you for your service, but <laughs> applaud you for everything that you've done. And, and also, I appreciate everything that you shared. And I'm very happy for you that you have found a career that is very fulfilling. And also, just thank you for sharing your story and for contributing to the show. Because, you know, like we talked about so often already in this conversation, these stories feel so normal to us, but maybe to the new new spouse or the new family or, you know, just the civilian counterparts I, I keep bringing up, like they have no idea. They have no idea that our service members have a family, you know, that they want to come home to, you know, they're not just like robots that came out of the ship or jumped out of the, you know, the plane and started fighting. Like there's more to that than what the movies and what media have romanticized around the military. And so again, it's just so great to have a platform to really unpack all of that and destigmatize that and let people know that we're just as human as everyone else. I think I just want to reiterate how grateful I am to be a part of this. Like, I am so glad that newsletter came to my inbox. <laughs> this is like the most fun, like weird thing I never saw coming. But I'm really, really like, I mean, I love podcasts. I listen to podcasts all the time. Never thought I'd be on one, like, you know, on a recurring basis. So for me, this is super fun. And I'm, I'm happy to have the opportunity to like, you know, you and I both come at this military role slightly differently you having mm -hmm. grown up in it and then marrying a veteran and me you know currently doing the active duty thing like mm -hmm. I think it's super important that we both have a different perspective of this lifestyle and yeah. yet inherently understand one another and so I'm just really grateful to be here yeah um, this is fun Oh, okay. good. I'm so glad you're having fun. I feel, <laughs> you know, the way that you worded that, I feel like we covered all our bases. We have the child perspective, we have the active duty perspective, and then we have the veteran sort of perspective when I talk about my husband, because we actually met after his service. So it, it's interesting to see the impacts of what the military had done to him after the fact, and also just how he continues to have this passion for our military community. Otherwise, you know, this show probably wouldn't have existed if he wasn't still a diehard military advocate after his service. Well, awesome. Jenny Lynn, it's an absolute pleasure having you. I'm so glad that you're having fun on here. I'm excited to have more fun with you. And I know that our upcoming guests are really going to appreciate having you on and your perspective as well. And that's it. I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up, Jenny Lynn. Thank you for being on and thank you again for sharing your story. And I'm very much looking forward to these upcoming interviews with you. Me too. <laughs> Cool. All right. Well, I will officially wrap it up now. So to our listeners, we hope that today's episode gave you one more piece of knowledge, resource, or relevant story so that you can continue to make confident and informed decisions for you and your family. Thanks so much for joining us. And we'll chat with you in the next episode. Tune in next time.